Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the House Divided podcast. I'm Brendan. Jeremy, how are you? Doing good, Brendan. It's uh, basketball opening day. So, yes, it is for the we're going to continue to that didn't get canceled. <laughs> we're going to continue our hot streak of recording just before one of our teams starts the game. We yes, the hockey game last week, and we're going to do Michigan basketball this week. So, oh, yes, but. Luckily, I don't think this basketball game is going to really affect our season preview much. Uh, Don't know if we're going to glean too much information, but all right. Uh, First, I want to plug your newsletter, though, because this was the first week of you actually doing it and you wrote some good shit. I was glad to read it. Some analysis. Uh, Just let's plug it one more time right before we get into the meat of the podcast. Yeah, so it's uh, Mung Musings, M-U-S-I-N-G-S, uh, dot Substack. So yeah, I'll be, uh, I wrapped up the Arizona State Series on Sunday, um, and then, or rather Monday, sorry. Uh, and yeah, I'm going to get into uh, previewing Ohio State here soon. So uh, Sweet. just got to go back and watch some video of their uh, Did they even score a goal? I don't know if they scored a goal. Uh, they uh, scored yeah. a goal the first <laughs> night. Okay. So, yeah, yeah get to watch uh, all of the one goal they scored and try and break them down. <laughs> so, um, yeah, yes, yeah, so I'll have that probably out here uh, before they square up on Saturday. Sweet. All right. Well, I'd love to just ramble a little bit more, but we have a full plate of stuff to talk about. That's a Thanksgiving pun for everybody out there. Uh, full plate of things to talk about today. Uh, starting with the shit show that was Michigan Rutgers. Uh, you just kind of stuffed that joke in there, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, so for those who are unaware, Michigan beat Rutgers 48-42 to in triple overtime. Uh, it was, I think the spread was 10.5, so it wasn't too far-fetched that this could happen. Um, to be honest, I'm just happy they got out of there with a the win with a season that's going on now, uh, a loss to Rutgers just piles on more. And so you can talk about the merit of the win or whatever, but honestly, the expectations are low for this team. So I just let myself uh, feel some bliss and relief when Michigan won. Yeah. I mean, I guess the expectations are low now, but. uh, Oh yeah. I'm not talking preseason. We thought Joe Milton was going to win the Heisman. (laughs) Yeah, uh, it was a so, – so, I mean, I was kind of in and out of this game, watched some of the first half, checked out for most of the second half, and then watched, like, the fourth quarter and all of the overtimes. Um, that Michigan defense is really, really bad. It yeah. is not good. Yeah, no, that is that – Granted, is- there's a ton of injuries, but not enough injuries that they should give up 42, even in overtime, to – Rutgers. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it was bad. And the worst part of it wasn't that uh, was that Rutgers didn't really get lucky. Like there were these, this wasn't a fluke that they went and put these yards and put these points on Michigan. They, they earned every bit of it, which is. And if they were coached terrible. better, they, if they were coached better, they probably beat Michigan. Cause if they run that play mm-hmm. that they started the second overtime with yep. the first overtime, it's they win, but they they played for a field goal and yep didn't work out so uh yeah i mean i think that's part of to me Rutgers, though you know that is, <laughs> i think i think what encapsulates michigan being michigan at least in this season is uh your kicker yelling at the loss snapper to do his job and then promptly missing two kicks so mm. quentin ordine <laughs> is a hell of an experience man he is <laughs> Even from his first game in 2017 when he's banging in 50 yarders and the expectations people had after that, it has been a wild ride. I think you're only giving me half the story there. You got to go, like, if you think about it. Well, the sleepover, yeah. He the was sleepover the... has just, like, been a thing for four years now that I just think is, like, defined. You can't have Michigan lose without someone mentioning the sleepover, right? So it just becomes a whole thing of the program. So I, yeah. uh, I don't think – Jim or anyone else is going to miss when Quinn leaves, even if they get a worse kicker, just to not have the sleepover thing around anymore is going to be good. 
Yeah, that'll feel nice. I, I completely – it always goes over my mind because I'm like, Quinn Nordine, he's the guy who could make a 57-yarder and miss a 40 – like a 39-yarder. Yeah, I, 100%. I, I'm so focused on his uh, on-field results, it makes me forget about how weird his recruitment was in the first place. But and the uh, wild thing here, I missed the wild thing. Oh, here. I know. It, it just all encapsulates the experience. It's great. <laughs> um, before we switch topics, because I don't really think there's much analysis to take long term. I mean, Michigan's still the program that we thought they were on Saturday morning. Uh, I still feel the same way about the coaching situation, so we don't need to rehash that yet again. Um, but I do want to talk about Cade McNamara just because it's a quite a development um, that he actually got in. Uh, they're down 17 when he gets in, so he just forcing overtime, honestly, is a win. Uh, he kind of gives me like a Tate Forcier, Shea Patterson vibe. Now, what's different about the Shea Patterson vibe is he, he reminds me of Shea Patterson from last year, who was a senior, and Cade is a redshirt freshman. So that makes me feel a lot better about him. Uh, he, he didn't do any – he wasn't a world beater. He didn't put up ridiculous numbers, but he definitely looked competent. And I, I don't want to just get on here and trash Joe Melton, but – uh, it looked like some offensive line issues combined with some play calling problems I have. It might have broke him because he definitely looked better against Minnesota than he had ever since. Obviously, that is a little bit opponent inflicted, but even just the simple passes, he was making them against Minnesota and they were spot on. Didn't really make many small mistakes that just kept recurring. And so that that makes me feel like he got broken and it makes me sad. But uh, and who knows, Cade could go out and do the same thing. You know, it, it's it's an evolving situation. But um, it, what were your thoughts? You said you watched some of the fourth quarter in overtime. What what did you think of Cade McNamara? Uh, I think that sometimes I kind of actually felt a little bit similar, not on like a highly rated situation of watching Rocky get benched and then Peyton Thorne come in. Um, and the reason I say that is that sometimes going to the guy that you just need to just boil the playbook down a little bit and just let him just do simple things and isn't hyped up just let him do it and it seemed to kind of relax everyone on the team and that's kind of unfair to Joe Milton I don't think it's Joe Milton's fault that there's a preseason hype machine about him um, but you know for all we hear about his strong arm and how how fast he can throw it uh, it just didn't look like he was a well-rounded guy by the time he got broken, like you said. So, yeah, you know, yeah. my thought coming out of it is like, I think, I mean, being the way the quarterback position is now, you've got Cade McNamara and then McCarthy coming in. I think we're probably done seeing Joe Milton in a Michigan uniform. And isn't that crazy um, that we went in April, we were talking like, is it going to be Milton or McCaffrey? And now it already, like, it's only one week. And like we said, they could very much break Cade McNamara as well. But um, now it feels like we're already looking past Milton and McCaffrey in November. And it, it's just a crazy situation that has evolved so rapidly. Yeah. And I, I, I think the conversation coming out of it is like the, the jump is people going, well, if, if your head coach is a quarterback specialist, how does he not see this ahead of time? I don't really know, man. I mean, Cade McNamara had the benefit of sitting around and watching the offense for five days, five games and being able to just come in against Rutgers. Uh, you know, so I totally believe that Milton probably earned the job in practice, but it is not a good look. it's not a good look for, for Harbaugh in a season that he's already had a lot of issues going on. Yeah. Uh, not a great look. And I'll take the forefront on this. We can quit calling Jim Harbaugh a quarterback specialist <laughs> because. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's I think he is one, but maybe it's just the magic is wearing off or he needs a refresher because. Uh, or maybe yeah, he man, flopped I mean, out with I, Andrew Luck and, and did better. Because, I mean, you can't take away Kaepernick and Smith from him. Yeah. See, those are the ones that I thought were his best job, honestly. And, and yeah. like, here's the thing. He might work I, actually, better with adults. Best, Honestly, his best job that I think never gets enough, uh, enough talk is Jake Rudock. But absolutely, you know, I mean, because that guy at Iowa was just did not 
show me anything. And then I thought he was excellent at Michigan, um, you know, for, for a limited amount of time that Jim got to work with him. But yeah, I don't know. It, and maybe there's something to, he wears guys out. You know, we always heard that about uh-huh. he wears out his bosses or wears out his stay. But, you know, I mean, you look at it, it seems like his quarterbacks outside of Joe Milton um, actually usually have a pretty good start and a pretty good early experience with him, but it just gets bad the longer they're around. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's the case, you know, they, they just, he just wears on them. And it's, it's gotta be hard to play for a guy that knows your position that well. Um, you can get a lot of benefits out of it, but you can also just get wore out by his constant <laughs> involvement yeah. in your pregame warmups and he's throwing footballs with you. Like maybe that just wears on guys. I don't know. But, it might. Uh, I mean, it, the, but the Kate probably... McNamara, yeah, you go. I mean, it's the frosted tips for me. It gives me the take for it. <laughs> yeah. But he feels to have, he seems to feel like an attitude of what a Michigan quarterback should be. I thought Shea was forcing that. Shea yeah. like tried to be the guy that had that attitude, and I just didn't really believe it. Cade, I mean, again, one game against Rutgers. I'd love to see you know him in these next three weeks and how it goes. But yeah, it'll be interesting. He has the attitude of a quarterback that I I think can can come in and at least turn around the season leading up to the Ohio state game. I mean, yeah, no, I, I agree. It'll be uh, very important to see how he does against Penn state on Saturday. Um, but I have high hopes. Did you hear his post-game speech? No, I saw just the pictures of him with the frosted chips. I did oh, not. Dude. He, uh, somebody posted a video and he's in the locker room and he's, he's like, what if we fucking went out? what they're gonna they won't be thinking about all those games we lost and like it kind of feels like he's forcing it a little bit like he's still a little bit nervous I mean he's a redshirt freshman just finished his first game but he's pumped up but he also it was funny it it was I liked the attitude I you'll you should look at the video eventually but it it was kind of funny because I'm like you know we still got to play Ohio State right (laughs) right but maybe that's what this team needed I don't know maybe yeah we'll see it'll be interesting against Penn State on Saturday yeah, I don't know Joe Milton at all, but I can say that, like, you know, I think they needed a guy, like, yelling in the locker room versus a guy who doesn't know that Antoine Simmons should be on his radar. See, that's you know, a like, problem. And there was another Cade McNamara quote where he talked about his preparation and how he looks at coverages right. every morning and stuff. And then going back to the MSU game where, where Joe Milton wasn't familiar with MSU's best defensive prospect, you know, it's yeah that, that quote uh, kind of felt like Gaddis's golf quote about yeah. last year. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. I think that's, uh, you know, now that we're a few weeks removed, because at the time I thought it was just eh, whatever, you know, I don't, I didn't really think anything of it, but further you get removed from it and you see, struggles continue to happen for Milton maybe it is maybe it's just you grow up with a live arm like that you don't have to worry about getting everything else together uh, that arm is going to get you out of a lot of situations until the talent equals yours mm-hmm. and unfortunately I think for Joe Milton maybe that that happened but uh yeah I thought Kane McNamara was a fun fun part of that game to have in uh you know but like I said I just came away from it thinking I know Quiddy pays out and I know this defense has struggled, but that Rutgers offense moved the ball way too easy. And I know they put up 37 against Michigan state, but they had a lot of short fields. Yeah. yeah, A lot of short fields. It's not the same at all. (laughs) Like it felt like they were just moving. And it wasn't even the guys who killed MSU killing, you know, Michigan, like Pacheco wasn't amazing. And Crookshank was okay, but man, Noah Vidro was just dropping whatever he wanted on that secondary. And uh, I don't know how quick we'll fix that is. And uh, if I, Jim's around, man, you got to get rid of Don because there's no absolutely, way yeah. And they're there's still no not way. recruiting defensive tackles. I yeah, we, we again, we don't need to get into the long term yeah. health of the program again because I could talk for hours about it. But um, now I know we haven't really been doing previews as much this season. Um, but I do want to talk a little bit about Michigan State versus Northwestern just because Michigan State didn't play a game last week. And uh, we've had a lot of Michigan football talk on here because of the things going on. Uh, So let's talk about this game a little bit. Northwestern uh, could clinch the big 10 title berth because uh, Wisconsin's game got canceled. So uh, that doesn't make anything easier for MSU. Does it? No, probably not. 
And, uh, you know, if Pat Fitzgerald is listening, I'm not going to make life easier for MSU either because I don't care if they're 5-0. and I can never respect this Northwestern team. They don't. Bunch of Reese Davises. <laughs> Bunch of Reese Davises. I don't know what it is. Like, I even watched a lot of that Wisconsin game, and it was, you know, maybe I am just anti the Medill journalism school so hard that I can't give Northwestern credit for anything. But it just felt like, okay, Wisconsin continuously has shot themselves in the foot. And that's why Northwestern is in this game. And I don't know, man. Like, I know their defense is legit, but I keep going back to, you know, last year, that defense I don't think was too different. And MSU hung over 30 on them with an offense that was not scoring on anyone else. Um, And I know Peyton Ramsey has made their offense better, but – they still only went out and put up 17 against Wisconsin in a game where Wisconsin turned the ball over four times. So, yeah, I, I, I feel you. Know, and I get that. I mean, yeah. They they should be favored to beat MSU. <laughs> like we're no, gonna absolutely, like, I'm yeah, not saying MSU is going to be Northwestern, but I don't think, you know, I'd say if you even compare this to how I felt going into like say Indiana, I feel like we have a better shot at winning this game than we did the Indiana game, you know, and, and, that's fair. And this too. is the team that's five and Oh, going to the big 10 championship game more than likely. Um, you know, I, I just think it's a matchup that is okay for us. Cause I don't, I just don't know no. how they're going to score on them. Like I know you did mention yeah. Michigan state gets yeah, 30 on either. them last year. It's just to, like MSU's offense against every defense with a pulse. So everybody, but Michigan has right. not been able to do anything, you know, Wisconsin scores a lot more points on Michigan than MSU does. And Wisconsin can, barely move the ball but uh, either way yeah. though i mean this is a good barometer for msu i like i, I think, think so North, too i think North, northwestern's a good opportunity to go even just within the program say hey they're a top 10 team even and i think they're overrated so if you go and lose by 10 or lose by even just two touchdowns but it's close throughout the game i think that's a good thing where mel can go hey this is a top 10 team and we hung with them and i, I think it could be good for the program even if they don't get a win I think the biggest thing too is I think you take this week and regardless of the score, you have to, after a week off, come out and this is going to be, you know, like we talked about an excellent defense and a really physical team. If there's one thing MSU has completely lacked, it's been that they just have not looked physical all year. They've been getting whooped even against Michigan. Like they couldn't really establish the run that great. They couldn't do a lot of things that, MSU has kind of been known for, and I know Mel still wants to be known for. So I think anything you come out and if you play it 17, seven ugly, like it was last week for Wisconsin Northwestern, you are happy with that. Cause if, yep. if you can ugly it up the way that Wisconsin ugly it up, that means that you showed something that you haven't shown all season really. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's the thing too, is you're not looking at the score or looking at specific things that change week to week as far as like big picture, but the small picture, you have to watch your turnovers and look a lot more involved and tough and go from there, you know, cause this is a good Northwestern team this year. So you could do everything right and still lose this game and that's okay. Um, but you can't continue to just look completely lost. Yeah. And I mean, it, the COVID situation wasn't uh, for Michigan state, it was for Maryland. So last week really yeah. was a true bye week So that does help things. It does. Yeah. They got a chance to, I think I saw that they practiced Saturday. They probably had a script. They might've done a scrimmage or done some, some work there, but yeah, unlike Maryland who had to take a lot of days off, MSU did a full week. So yeah, exactly. Uh, I think that's- that should be good. And, you know, they knew on Thursday that they could go watch Northwestern Saturday night and that was their next opponent. So early scouting and, and everything as well. Yeah, for sure. I, I definitely think that could factor into that game. Um, all right. Well, let's move on to hockey because Michigan State got to open their season uh, against Arizona State. And I think they did a really it was a really good result. No, uh, you know, I thought they were the better team both nights and to come away yeah. with a tie and a win. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they were four minutes away from a sweep, you know, uh, not only that, just four minutes away from a sweep without giving up a goal all weekend. So uh, that's really good. Um, you know, Arizona State uh, put up more of a fight against Michigan, at least offensively. I mean, they got 
their brains kicked in defensively against Michigan. But yeah. I think that's going to be a theme for a lot of teams this year. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, granted, Johnny Walker being out, I think, was a big loss for Arizona State. But yeah, he would have created that. chances. But from what I noticed against yeah. Michigan, he needs somebody to help uh, create yeah. those chances too. He he wasn't driving the line by himself from what I noticed against no. Michigan. And so I, I still think this is a really, even without Johnny Walker, this is still a really good result for MSU. For sure. And I think even if Johnny Walker's there, I think, you know, I don't think it changes the result. You don't outshoot a team by 10 or 12 and then lose that advantage because of Johnny Walker. I don't think mm-hmm. he's, he's enough of a possession driver on his own to change the game that much. Um, one thing that they will have to watch that was a frustrating, you know, I mean, the penalty kill looked great, but way too many penalties uh, taken in the offensive zone, you know, a team like Michigan will just put you out of the, put you out of the game right away if you're doing that. So, um, you know, I think that's one thing that you come away wanting to see more of, but can't really complain when you come out of a weekend with, you know, a point or a tie and a win and you only scored three goals. Like that tells you that the defense is there and, He's got to get some things working offensively, um, which they had their chances. I, it, you know, I won't take anything away from Arizona State. They weren't, you know, it wasn't MSU not making chances. It was that they just couldn't finish. So that's the that's the step they got to take this weekend against a really good Ohio State goaltender too, and Tommy Napier. So uh, it doesn't get easier from that perspective, but not that's from the, the goalie you perspective. But no, I think they have a good shot of getting a good result against Ohio State. I'm not too impressed yeah. with them. Um, I will toot my own horn a little bit because uh, I got the Drew DeRitter uh, breakout player right. You did. You did. What a start <laughs> it's for one him. weekend. Yeah. No, and it looks like, uh, you know, now seeing some more results, like it looks like it's going to be some pretty good goaltending in this conference. Oh, Stress, yeah. Man. Drew DeRitter, you've got LaFontaine at Minnesota. And like we talked about, even though, you know, he doesn't beat Minnesota at all, Tommy Napier really held in Ohio State in that series. And, uh, Bay know, Wisconsin Doon. has found Wisconsin. some goaltending. So yeah, Baydoon was so, good. He I think was, everyone's gonna. Really good. I think we all have a goaltender except Penn State, so everything's right with the world again. And oh boy, uh, for all the good goaltending that everybody else in the conference has, Penn State <laughs> makes up for it. They do. No, they got all the bad goaltending and bad defense. Those dudes out at no. all. Holy crap, man! No, the um, the Matador defense that Penn State plays is not great. <laughs> Michigan might score 16 on them in a weekend. Oh, uh, without a doubt. Oh. The over-under on goals in that series is going to be, I would have to say, at least at 11 and a half for Michigan, at least. Yeah, yeah. but let's talk. So, so any other things about Michigan State? I saw you tweeting over the weekend that uh, MSU was able to roll four lines consistently, and that's that's a development for the program. Yeah, completely different to, to put your fourth line out there. Uh and really in all situations, it's not just rolling your fourth line out there, you know, just coming off a power play. So they were all on the bench and rested. Like, no, it was pretty much any situation they were going to roll all four, uh, you know, and I think the biggest thing for them is right down the center. Like, you know, having Tommy Apep as a third line center is such a code breaker. Um, you know, you can put your third line out for a defensive draw and then they can still be okay for a whole shift against the top line. Uh, so, so I think I love yeah. the matchups that we have uh, against most teams. So it's uh, that is, like I said, that's the huge development. And, and to be honest, the rolling six defensemen too, because the biggest issue for the last couple of seasons has been, there's just been at least one defensive pair that is a black hole. And you mm-hmm. really just hope to get out of a shift without, you know, too much right. damage. Storing um, chance. <laughs> and yeah. Without too many scoring chances and, you know, without, <laughs> yeah just without getting a penalty mm-hmm. uh but now you know you can roll roll the whole team and it's that's going to be a huge change uh from what they've been used to yeah I, I think it looked promising for msu i was kind of you know like i said on the podcast last week i was hoping for arizona state to go out there and win uh just to make michigan's wins look better but i, I think there's a, i tweeted out definitive like not definitive um tiers of the big 10 for hockey and i i really feel it, i didn't include arizona state but i really kind of feel like they're going to be in penn state's league at the bottom um 
And then with a middle tier of Ohio State, Michigan State, and Notre Dame, and a top tier of Wisconsin, Michigan, and Minnesota. Uh, very early observations, but it, you can just kind of tell those top three teams that I listed are just a little bit quicker, have a little bit more skill, and it just feels like they should be able to consistently get results. Um, yeah, yeah. And I was gonna say you you didn't really need uh, MSU to lose to Arizona State to feel good about Michigan because. Yeah, you guys took care of one of the other top tier teams this last week. So they they did. Michigan looked good again, not as good as the last weekend. Um, uh, having a team that can skate be on the other side of the ice really did open up the game and showed a little bit more of the flaws. Michigan struggled with taking penalties the first weekend, and that did not stop. There was just a couple of like mind boggling, like not mind boggling. Cause you know how it happens. They're young. They're freshmen. Like Owen power loses the puck in the neutral zone and then has to hook somebody to save a rush. Kent Johnson with a neutral zone trip with like three minutes to go. It'll just stuff that'll make you pull your hair out. But like it, it's typical freshman stuff. This is one of the worries that we had going into the year. Um, my biggest development kind of uh, specific to our podcast, because we spent all of last year, making fun of the fact that Tony Granato cannot coach, but this Wisconsin team looks well coached, Jeremy. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those like old adages too. like, no one can make a coach look better than your goalie. And all of a sudden they have a goalie and he looks like he can coach. So that's true. But I swear there were less like mind boggling defensive zone turnovers this time. Is but who knows? Maybe the the defensemen are just playing more confident with a goalie behind them. You know? Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is, I think it can really help everyone. And and we were probably a little bit too much of a meme to make a Granado be as bad as he was. But my biggest thing was honestly like the guy can recruit his ass off, but he couldn't recruit a goalie. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, now he's found one via the transfer portal um, for at least a season. He's got one. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, it's uh, they are night and day difference, and it's pretty fun to see because they've always had the offensive talent, and they always grab at least three to four kids off the development program that you're super excited to see. But it just felt like it was wasted when Keandre Miller is playing in front of a terrible goalie. It wasn't yeah. fun to watch. Um, but now, yeah, he's he's got a goaltender that's steady, and it seems to really settle the rest of the team down. Yeah, and and I mean their their forecheck was super fun to watch. I mean, not they wasn't because they were playing against Michigan, but uh, they they were aggressive on the forecheck, and that's a that's a thing in a hockey team for me. I don't play, but I love to watch a hockey team who is hell to get out of the zone against. Um, so that that was cool to see Wisconsin doing. They they have offensive talent even without Dylan Holloway. Um, and, oh God, I feel like an idiot. I don't remember the kid's name who got hurt in the first, uh, game, but Wisconsin's first line center without Dylan Holloway ends up getting it taken a, a bad hit into the boards because of Brendan Brisson, um, and misses the second game. So they, they even had a good amount of offensive talent though, without those guys. Um, I, this is a team you got to keep an eye out for all year. Um, but, but let's talk more about Michigan because, they, they did win both games. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Wisconsin looked, um, they, I really thought they showed some maturity for being, uh, such a young team because the first game, even they're down one zero because of a late goal, even though they're kind of tilting the ice and they come out in the second period and it, they're, they're getting chances and they just cannot get past Bay And that's a thing I was kind of looking for in this team was, man, they're a bunch of young kids. Like, they're going to get super discouraged. And uh, once they found the net on Thursday night, they did not stop. They scored three goals in the final five minutes of the second period. And then the game felt over, uh, end up going on to win five to two. And then the second night, it really showed some maturity because they are tied one, one uh, late in the third period. And they get one penalty called on them where Bordalo gets taken off down on a face off. And he falls on the, he falls and puts his arms outstretched to land on the ice. And coincidentally, his one hand lands on the puck and they whistle him for trying to play the puck on a face off with his hand. And I, I will not back off this stance. So that was an absolute horse shit Wisconsin, Wisconsin home game call. Um, and, and then they follow it up with 
that Kent Johnson penalty that I'm talking about where it's just a boneheaded trip in the neutral zone. And that one's a penalty. I, like that one could have not been called, um, but it would have been a bad no call probably. It's just super frustrating when you get off the bullshit penalty, uh, penalty kill from 30 seconds ago. But regardless, Michigan State in it kills both penalties and then takes it to three on three overtime where I think you're going to, I know three on three overtime is a lot of random bullshit, but like, I think you're going to have a be hard pressed to find teams that are going to be able to skate with Michigan with that much space. So, and they finish it off with Bortolo scored one of the nastiest goals I've ever seen in, in college hockey since I've been a fan for the past five years. So, yeah, I mean, I was just really impressed with the poise for Michigan. They're a young team, and they didn't really play like it except for the penalties. Right, and he made he made the most of a three-on-three because uh, he really showed off that when you have a forward trying to skate backwards and play D, you can just abuse him. So he, yeah. he did. He absolutely abused him and, uh, you know, made a nice finish with it too. But, yeah, no, I agree with you. I think <laughs> if you're playing Michigan, you should really try and go for it in regulation because I think – three on three you're just asking to just lose it in overtime oh yeah uh, i don't want to line up against them uh with all that room so yeah no i think everything you said was perfect right on i i, I thought the maturity was really good in their second game because uh to come off of a win you're on the road you won the first night you give up a late lead you're just kind of like ah yeah now i have to get overtime and get up like that's one that you can usually just melt the five minutes and get out of there but they kept going after it and got an impressive win. Yeah. And I, I mean, so pairwise is basically useless this year because of the lack of non-conference, but um, right. I, we, we should note that for pairwise purposes, the win in overtime or a shootout now just counts as a win, the same as if you won in regulation. Um, and then in the big 10, once it goes to overtime, each team gets a point and whoever wins gets a second point. Um, and I wish they would just make that the shootout, but I'm fine with it. Um, I, I just wanted to clarify that because it's literally a reverse now. Uh, once it got to the three-on-three last year, it didn't matter for pairwise purposes, but now it very much does. So figured I'd note that. Um, I, I do want to talk about one more thing before we get off the topic of Michigan hockey, and then we can kind of talk about who both teams are playing this weekend. Um Strauss, man, you know, a lot, I was a little bit worried that maybe last year he'd just be Hercules and this year, uh, maybe not, but he's yet to let in a goal that I think most goalies, you know, would stop. Um, most goal, you, you basically it's either been, you get a lucky bounce in five on five or you score on the power play. It literally in the four games this season, that's been all of the goals against He's averaging, I think one goal against maybe a little bit more. Uh, no, it's one goal against per game. Save percentage well in the nine hundreds. So, I mean, I don't think that's super important for when you're playing Notre Dame this weekend, or if you're playing, you know, Penn state, but when you want to win a conference, having a goalie like that behind a team that looks as good as Michigan does, it's, so important and you know when you get down to whatever type of format we have for an ncaa tournament having a goalie like strauss man can literally win you a national championship 100 100 because the the goals can dry up in a tournament like that but if you can count on him uh and you can win an ugly 2-1 game when you need to that makes all the difference which is the what they did so, on saturday against a probable yep. tournament team in wisconsin so exactly yeah all right. Well, this weekend, Michigan State, are they traveling to Ohio State or are they coming to Mon? Nope, they're at Ohio State this okay. uh, this weekend, a Saturday-Sunday series, both on uh, BTN+. Plus. Ah, well, the good news is um, there's no change in Ohio State's home environment with COVID. <laughs> so, uh, just yeah. as empty and just as quiet. Yep. Uh, but it, that should be a good series. I mean, I really think in terms of seeding for the big 10 tournament and just kind of where these teams are trying to finish, this could be a big matchup for both of these teams trying to get better seeding. Cause I think these two teams plus Notre Dame are probably going to be very close throughout the year. Yep. And Ohio state starts off 0 and two. So you have a chance if you're MSU to just kind of bury them early, mm-hmm. um, you know, especially on the road series. So I agree with you. 
uh, big weekend coming up for sure. Yep. And you, I think there will be a slight advantage just because uh, Ohio state had to play a Monday, Tuesday series yep. against Minnesota. And so get a couple extra days of fresh legs and that should be good. Michigan plays Notre Dame who got swept by Wisconsin. And so when you're, when you're playing the team that you just swept and they just swept them, I think six points is what you're expecting and anything less is kind of a disappointment, but Notre Dame knows how to play ugly. So I'm not going to throw, I'm not going to throw the realm of throw it out of the realm of possibility that they bring Michigan down to their level and then win like a two, one game. So got to try and get six points and score early really is the thing against Notre Dame is just put the puck in early and I'll feel a lot more confident. Yeah, and Wisconsin didn't just sweep down. I mean, Wisconsin beat the brakes off them. So they have uh, – but they didn't play last weekend, so unless they got everything fixed, we don't really know. But, yeah, I'd have to feel pretty good about a sweep heading into it if I was Michigan right now. Yeah. All right. Well, today is the opening day of college basketball, so let's get going on that. It's, it's your turn to uh, – <laughs> Be extremely happy with your team because you guys have a loaded roster, even losing Cassius and Xavier. So let's get into Michigan State. Uh, they open up. Who do they play tonight? Eastern Michigan tonight. Oh, yes, I knew that. Eastern Michigan. Yeah. Uh, and so that should be a 30-point victory. <laughs> you would hope, right? Yeah, so it's going to be I, – I think we talked about this earlier, but I think this is going to be the hardest sport for me to watch with no fans. I'm mm-hmm. trying to watch some right now. Like I've got – the Providence game on, but yeah, I think, you know, I saw a really good tweet about it on my timeline of like, it looks like you're watching, uh, you're in gym class back when you used to put the bleachers back so you can play like floor hockey in the gym. That's what it looks <laughs> like. Uh, we've got the bleachers all pushed back. And, oh man. Oh man. It's going to be really, really weird. I think this is going to be the hardest one to, to watch. I mean, I've seen some so Spartan too. stadium games that are pretty spare sparse and on camera Mun doesn't really show a lot of the crowd. Well, it's, but, yeah. yeah. Seeing, Seeing the Breslin empty is going to be very, very weird. The crowd uh, is just such a major part of college basketball. I mean, college mm-hmm. hockey too, but even then you're mostly just hearing them and right. the camera's focused on the ice. But, you know, th- that's like a college basketball game's director's favorite thing is when after a big bucket and the home crowd's going crazy, just panning out and letting the whole right. weight of the situation be on your screen. And so it will be weird. Um, I think we're going to see more of, I just, I don't know. I I think the talent level is going to shine through this season more than the mental strength, maybe just because I think that was such a huge part of going and winning in college basketball is that you can go into a road environment. The other team goes on an eight to two run and the crowd's blowing your ears off and you can go get a bucket, you know, and you're not going to have that. Right. Right. Yep. No, I totally agree. I think, uh, it might be a little bit of a less wild season. I think I think this college basketball season will be different than the football season where we've had a lot of weird drop-offs. Like we have 0-5 Penn State. We have one in, yeah. you know. I could see us getting more chalk, like. yeah. Uh, exactly. I think this is going to be more chalk compared to uh, a lot of the football results that we saw. So, yeah, I mean, I'm excited to get it going, though. It's, it's – I don't know a ton. Honestly, the MSU team, it's been – I don't know if it's COVID or uh, what have you, but it just feels like for a team that still returns a lot of stuff, there still seems a lot in the air. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. You know, it looks like Joey Hauser might be the number, the the most important scoring threat or the most important guy. And he didn't play last year. So you kind of go into it a little bit weird there. You're having to watch Marquette highlights and try and figure out how he's going to fit in at MSU and, haven't seen Josh Laneford in two years and now he's back. And uh, yeah, these are some long awaited uh, appearances here because exactly. Hauser's been two years and he's being talked about as a potential first team, all big 10 guy who, you know, you even put it in our notes that this team will go as far as Joey Hauser can take him. So I, that, and then Joshua Langford. Yeah. I, I'm, I am thrilled to see him back on the court. Um, yeah. I just, you feel for the guy so bad with the injuries and the fact that he's going to get to play. Um, But yeah, I think it's interesting that both Michigan and Michigan state lose their keep a ton of their wings and lose their four year point guard and the long time starting center. You know, it's very interesting. These teams are going to feel familiar yet very different from last year. (laughs) 
Right. Yeah. I think the names are going to be familiar, but they could look completely different how they're going to play. Cause you know, I haven't seen MSU run an offense. That's not, you know, Cassius and Xavier doing a pick and pop offense for three years now. So uh-huh. it's, uh, it's going to be very different seeing that be, you know, Foster lawyer or Rocky Watts putting the ball up the court and, you know, is Laneford bringing the ball up or is he a two, like just all these different things. And it's all guys that, you know, put in much different situations than we've probably seen them before. You know, Aaron Henry now could be, he's not going to be the third or fourth scoring option. He may be the one on a lot yeah. of sets. So yeah, it's going to be different. It's, it's makes it exciting too, because uh, we're always going to miss Cassius and Xavier, but this is turns like a new leaf. I feel like, and it's turning a new leaf right before you get in possibly the number one recruiting class. So it's uh, enjoying some program guys right now. Sorry, are you talking about Michigan? Ooh. The number one recruiting class. So well, I honestly, yeah, I guess I'm thinking one year early, right? So <laughs> you I well, you years. guys will be number one if you get some reclassifies. If your yeah, money reclassifies, and but but right now it's looking like Michigan's gonna take that. But it it's but that just brings me to another point. I have these written down in our notes as separate previews, but we might as well just do them together because it it feels so similar. Because Michigan is also, look at the offense. I haven't watched an offense that wasn't run by Xavier Simpson in three, in three or four years. And he is such a unique specimen of point guard, just like Cash is. Not, not in the same type of point guard, but they're both their own guy that you completely model the offense around their skill set. And now they're just not there. Um, Michigan, like you talked about Aaron Henry being the guy. Um, Franz Wagner is stepping into that right now where, you know, last year he was kind of a guy who you go hard on defense and then hope you get an open three. He kind of stepped more into a large role, but I think you're going to see a lot more of him as a shot creator, just because you don't have Xavier Simpson who can just run around and then find an open man on 70% of possessions. So I, I think it's really interesting. Um, and, and let's go with some more parallels. Let's talk about some of the incoming freshman bigs uh, on the Michigan side. You got Hunter Dixonson and then you got Maddie Sissoko on the MSU side. And you mentioned Julius Marble kind of in that thing of guys you're looking to see evolve to talk about those guys a little bit. Yeah. I mean, for MSU, I think the, again, low, layoff of COVID maybe a little bit longer preseason run up. Uh, Maddie Sissoko has been getting a lot of hype, uh, really raw player, but, you know, at seven, I think he's seven, four. That's something that we just haven't had that big of a size in a while. So wait, you said uh, he's seven, four. <laughs> I thought so. Oh, Maybe no. I was... you're probably right. I just didn't know that. That's crazy. I don't know, man. I, I trust Twitter too often. Maybe I, I, I'm, I'm... I have to look it up for any six times. So I don't know what I was looking at. <laughs> oh man. Maybe it was That's wingspan. Okay. Maybe it was wingspan was seven, four. I'm not sure. That would make sense because that dude has got some long arms. Yeah, I think it was actually a wingspan now that I think about it. But, yeah, I mean, one that, uh, you know, was a, an interesting recruitment. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's fun to finally have him in, there, in here. And Julius Marble was a guy that I really liked last year. Um, he provided to me something that wasn't always there, especially when Xavier would go out of a game. Uh, just seemed to be the biggest, like, toughest body out there. Um wasn't really pretty at anything, but he provided, uh, you know, some kind of special there and when a year without fans uh, and you need someone to maybe give you some juice, having a guy like him that can just be physical, even in an empty arena, I feel like that could be something that uh, pays off like intangibly. Plus as president of the Julius Marble fan club, I am obligated. to mention. <laughs> so, yeah. And uh, on the Michigan side of things, um, the only freshman big is Hunter Dickinson, but he's big enough to count as two. Because <laughs> gotta say he's dude seven two. I feel like, is I feel what like I he heard. got lost in some of the late recruiting losses that Michigan had, I, which is unfair to him because he yeah he, he's is a and, great and get for Michigan. The, the thing I want to mention with him is he turns twenty this weekend, so he's a freshman, but he's an adult. And he can come into this team and I'm, you know, at first I was a little bit skeptical because freshman bigs always take a minute, but I mean, it it makes me feel better knowing that he's older and uh, I don't, I don't think he's going to go in and get bodied by Kofi Coburn, you know, and 
that that is an important thing when going to play in the Big Ten because how many goddamn awesome bigs are there in the Big Ten? It feels like you play one at least every other game. So it, the, the thing I worry about with the center position for Michigan is depth because they have Dickinson, they have Austin Davis, and then as a small ball five, they have Johns, Brandon Johns. But past that, there's not many people who can – go fit in there. So if one of those guys gets hurt or gets COVID, uh, that's, that is going to be a huge deficit because Michigan just doesn't have the depth at the five right now. Um, and then terms, so let's now let's move on to the, the one position, the point guard, because both teams are replacing that. Um, Michigan brings in transfer uh, Mike Smith from Columbia, who is a guy who they just threw him out there and said, do everything yourself. I think his usage on Ken Palm was legitimately like high 30%. Um, So he was not a very efficient player, but I do have some hope that he can become one when he isn't the only uh, usable option on the offensive side of the floor. Um, You also have the fact uh, you have Eli Brooks, who is more of a natural two, but he is more than capable of going and fitting into the one position. Uh, And so I think, I'm feeling okay with those two, uh, those two players sharing time at the one. I am less okay with knowing if Foster Lawyer is going to be doing the one a lot for MSU. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that outside of just the memes or Twitter having fun with Foster, he's probably a, a better player than, uh, than a lot of people give him credit for, but it's also just he just seems lost at the Big Ten level. So unless he made a humongous jump this summer, uh, it's pretty concerning to think that, you know, he may need to play the one a lot just to get the most out of Rocket Watts or get the most out of Josh Laneford. So um, yeah, that's a fair intrigued concern. to see how they kind of play that. Because I don't think it's anything saying that like Rocket Watts isn't good enough to be the one, but it just might be a function of uh, getting the most out of him means that you need someone else out there on the floor to do I th- yeah, I think he, I think Rocket's just a better fit at the two. It's not that he's incapable at the one. He's just a better fit. And if you're trying to maximize your roster, I think having somebody who can distribute the ball uh, to Rocket would really help. Um, yeah. Let's talk about our wings then. That's the last portion of this. Um, Michigan, this is the strength of their team without a doubt. Uh, they're going to be rolling with, their main three wings are going to be Shawnee Brown, who is a transfer from Wake Forest. He's a guy who's kind of been – he was never a star there, but he always put in – I think he averaged 12 a game. He's going to be a solid player, probably playing the two-slash-three. Franz Wagner, I already talked about. He's going to also probably be playing the two-slash-three. And then Livers can pre- play anywhere two through four, obviously. And um, and I guess you can talk about Brandon Johns here as well because he, he fits in as – kind of a wing uh, when he plays at the four. I mean, he's a power forward. I don't know. I'm not the most uh, <laughs> knowledgeable about the specifics of uh, positions at basketball, but um, I, I think this is really promising for Michigan, uh, this area. The, the question more is, is can you rely on just having a bunch of really good wings? If, if the point guard position isn't producing, if the center position isn't producing, can you rely on Shawnee Brown, Franz Wagner, Isaiah Levers to go and produce night in and night out? Um, and I think that's what separates this team from, are they going to be another like uh, five through eight type big 10 team? Or are they going to go fight in the top four and try and scrap out a, you know, even if it's not a conference title, go get a first round buy for the tournament, you know? So I think I really think that's what will separate them is what are you getting out of the center and point guard positions? Because if not, no, it's what are you getting out of the wings if you can't get anything out of those other two positions that you're filling big holes through? Um, And and that's really going to be the key. Do you feel similarly about Michigan State? Because you wrote in that you're you feel great about. Oh no, no, you didn't. What, how do you feel about the wing situation? Uh, again, I think we have a lot of overlap here. Um, I mean, for MSU, that's probably the most sure spot, but a lot of guys need to step up from into a new dependency than they were before. Um, 
you know, Aaron Henry, Gabe Brown, they each need to take jumps in their own right. Uh, Aaron's probably closer to where you need him to be, but he still needs to now again, for different points in the game, be the number one scoring option uh, where he's never been that before, uh, at least at the collegiate level. Uh, and Joey Hauser is just about how he fits in. And uh, is there a lot of rust that he needs to knock off or, you know, is it, is it pretty seamless for him? And Gabe Brown has always been a sharpshooter, but had, I, I felt like I wanted more out of his sophomore year than what he gave us. So, uh, you know, how does he fit in? And really, again, if you're in, you know, Brandon Johns, like I think Marcus Bingham is the five by height and wingspan, but he also gets beat up on the defensive end. So can he be someone that you can play as a stretch four uh, on the offense and maybe play him with, you know, a Maddie or play him with, a uh, kid year as your center and get away with him to be just a, an offensive talent and not be just beat in by a Kofi Coburn. Um, so yeah, no, I think, I think we're both uh, probably have the most known assets at the wind. Uh, and it's just how, you know, how those other two things fill in. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely think it, it really is staggering uh, how similar these teams look. Uh, not not in personnel exactly, but just their situation is is crazy. Um, uh, who do you see winning the Big Ten? I, I didn't write this in our notes, but I'll put put us on the spot. Uh, I mean, I think Illinois has to be the favorite. Uh, they just have so much talent. They're just loaded, and they bring in a great freshman on top of all the talent they had returning. Um, so I think I think Illinois is probably probably the team that I'm looking at as a number one in Wisconsin up there too. Uh, you know, this in an ugly season, like a pandemic season, doesn't that just kind of feel like a year that Wisconsin basketball <laughs> would, would be good? Uh, yeah, yeah, it does. Know, it just kind of feels like that that goes together. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, but again, I'll their football with... team couldn't stay away from COVID, so maybe that, you know. Yeah, that's the basketball team does better. I'm going to pick Wisconsin. I think um, I not because it's a pandemic year, but Illinois just scares me because they won a lot of close games last year, like, like a lot. And in my experience, I feel like that usually regresses the following year. I, uh, it, that might just be me um, just picking and choosing what things fit to that. But it, I'm expecting Illinois is going to be a really good team. But I just don't think they're quite as good as we thought they were last year just because the amount of close games they won. Um, in Wisconsin, I just they were on such a ridiculous heater at the end of last year. Like they were sh- just shooting unbelievable from three. And I have a feeling that's going to take uh, continue on. Um, and so I'll take Wisconsin begrudgingly because I hate Wisconsin basketball a lot. <laughs> um, so ugly. Yeah. Yeah. It's terrible. And I wish it would go away, but instead I think they'll win the big 10. I actually, I'll, and I'll just officially say, um, uh, let's go with Wisconsin MSU split. That's what I think is really going to happen. Um, and I think MSU goes on to get their fourth straight, uh, big 10 title and good for y'all. Cause Tom Izzo sold his soul to the devil. That would be impressive. I gotta admit, like, uh, I'm not really, as confident in us this season getting there. So that's, uh, yeah, but I feel like, I feel like we talked about there being a lot of chalk and I feel like the top four to six teams in the big 10 are just so close together that we're going to get a lot of close games. I think this big 10 season, hopefully it doesn't get derailed too bad by COVID because I think there's going to be some excellent basketball games as is there is every year. Um, but I think we're going to get a lot of jumbled. I don't think the, the who's going to win is going to be very clear until very late in the season. And doesn't that just feel like Tom Izzo's jam? Like being like a, in that three to five, like in a, in a rebuild year, uh, being in the three to five range all season, just to win a couple games at the end of the year to tie for the championship. Yeah. It feels like they get on like a run at the end get hot before the tournament. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. I can see that. That does kind of feel on brand. All right. He's already had COVID. So, you know, yeah. Well, he's just, 
he's got all those antibodies, right? And he's just going to be a, <laughs> a beast. Yeah. All right. Well, is there any thoughts on basketball? Is there anything else before we jump into Big Ten picks against the spread? No, I think we we covered it. All right. Sweet. Let's get to this then. I'm going to toot my own horn for last week. Um, I was the only one to pick Northwestern out of everybody against Wisconsin. And uh, I did it mainly for the memes and it paid off. So um, that that has me feeling good. Uh, Just as an update to anybody listening, the current standings, I'll uh, I'll just go through the whole thing. One through seven. I am leading. Uh, We got Buckley Gino in second. Maguire Rugby in third. This is Hog in fourth. Jeremy, you are in fifth. Eric Seeds is in sixth. And our friends CT and TC is in last. Not last, because I didn't count some people who only picked a couple weeks, but he is in last among the full-timers. Um, so that's where everybody stands. If you want more exact uh, information about your record, just tweet me, and I'll give it to you. Let, let's get going here for the beginning of this i'll i'll let you take the first pick it's nebraska versus iowa i don't think we're gonna differ here but uh iowa's favored by 13 and a half yeah uh so since we you know had a preview uh we have hockey going we had the preview basketball we don't really get to cover the league as a whole but my god nebraska did you look awful against illinois uh <laughs> they lost by 14 they were never in it and yeah i Iowa's been pretty competent uh, three weeks in a row. So I'll take them to cover that 13 and a half pretty easily. Yeah, man, I'm with you here. I mean, Nebraska did beat Penn State, uh, but that was probably a pretty close game. And Iowa went and beat Penn State by 20. I have no, I have no hesitation here that Iowa's going to cover. Legitimately concerned for McCaffrey's health. At quarterback against yes. this Iowa yeah. defense. I'm legitimately concerned for him. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's uh, move into probably the college football meme game of the week, right? I mean, absolutely. Yeah, you have it. You have 0 and 5 Penn State taking on 2 and 3 Michigan, and both teams just look like unmitigated disasters. So this should be interesting. Michigan is a two-point favorite as of this morning on Bavada. And um, I, I want to take Michigan, but this is the same heart versus mind stuff. Does this not – every time the entire nation is watching Michigan, it doesn't go well. And that used to be in the last couple of years because it was a big game and they just couldn't win them. But I, from the tweets that I've seen among – college football fans this week i i know everybody's going to be tuned into this on saturday at noon and it just feels like one of those things where the whole world's going to laugh at point and laugh at michigan because they're going to give up penn state's first win so i'll take penn state i think you're just too close to it because i think you're going to realize that we're all there to laugh at penn state and james franklin uh <laughs> their quarterback situation classic is michigan fan thinking the whole revolves around michigan their their quarterback situation is so much worse than your guys. Uh, you have Cade McNamara, unless unless Cade just takes a humongous jump back from a from a debut to second week and like he hits a wall, I can't see Penn State staying close in this one. Um, you know, at least you know for sure not winning, and this is only a two point line, so I'll take Michigan. Okay, all right. Um, I'm, I just want to put this in here. Uh, if Michigan does what Cade McNamara says and wins out, I will get frosted tips. Oh God. I almost want it now, (laughs) dude. I, and I'm not kidding about that. I swear to God, if they go and they beat Ohio state and I'm not even going to count the big West, the big 10 West crossover game. I'll say, I'll say if they go in and beat Penn state, Maryland and Ohio state, I will get frosted tips. All right, Ohio State at Illinois. Ohio State's a 28-point favorite. Um, I don't know. (laughs) Okay, I'll say that I don't understand this line. Ohio State last week was 20-and-a-half-point favorites against Indiana. Yeah, is is Indiana only eight points better than – seven-and-a-half points better than Illinois? See, that's what I don't get. And yeah, uh, 
Indiana covered, but there was a point in the second half that was 42 21. There was a point so there in the first half it was 35 7. <laughs> they were going to cover. So I, I, I don't see Illinois and Brandon Peters and those wide receivers exposing that secondary the way that Fry Nagel and everyone out in Wab Fillier and the Indiana offense did. Um, yeah, no, give me Ohio State. Like, I think they, they got just enough in that Indiana game to get the win, but have tons of problems show up that they just come out. And uh, like, have you seen you know, like the first episode of the boys where the girl just becomes a misty blood? That's yep. Illinois. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I, I think I'll take Ohio state too, just because um, they really almost let that game slip away last week. And I have a feeling they got their asses chewed out in practice. Um, and they're going to be, I think they're just going to be looking for blood probably. So I'll take Ohio state too. The next one is Maryland at Indiana. Indiana's an 11 and a half point favorite trust in the home field magic, baby, Indiana covers. Yeah. I don't know. Like, uh, this one is actually probably as we got a lot of our picks today before the show, this one was pretty evenly split. You know, it was Uh three Maryland and two Indiana. So we're going to swing it back to Indiana here. Um, I don't know why Maryland off of two weeks off with limited practice. I guess if you believe that Indiana just becomes so deflated after that loss, you know, they may really trip over themselves, but no, this, I, 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 trust I feel Tom confident. Allen. Yeah. Tom Allen is not going to struggle to get these guys focused for Maryland. And, you know, if Cade McNamara is right and uh, Michigan wins out, Indiana, you got to win every game so you can maybe get a chance to go to the Big Ten Championship. So, um, yeah, give me uh, – I'm with you on this one. I'll take the Hoosiers. That's not nearly enough points to give me on Maryland. Yeah. All right. The next game, I'll let you take the lead on this one because it's your guys, your team. It's uh, Northwestern at Michigan State. Uh, Northwestern is the 13-and-a-half point favorite on the road. Yeah, I – like I said, I don't think they're going to – I mean, this is a defense that shut out Indiana for a half. And when the offense wasn't turning it over, it looked pretty good. Um, so I don't think that it should be a game that Northwestern easily turns into a blowout. But then again, I look at Northwestern's defense and I see no reason to believe that we won't turn it over three to four times and give them a short field. So um, at this point, I'm going to have to lead Northwestern, but not by much. I would say it's going to be a 14 to 17 point game. Uh, you know, not not flying past this line, but I just don't know what what you know enough about Peyton Thorne, you know, or even the QB situation in general to to know what MSU is going to be like on Saturday. Yeah, I'm going to take Northwestern as well. Um, I was pretty set on that going into the the, uh, the podcast, but you you did convince me that this game is going to be closer than I initially thought it was. I, I think you made some good points. Um, but I just think I th- I'm the same as you. I think probably like a 14 to 17 point win ends up getting it done. Um, and but I'd take the under no matter what you do if you're actually putting real dollars on this game. I have no idea what the over under is, but I would take the under. Yeah, no, I think that's a smart. Uh, <laughs> if you're looking that you have to bet something on this game, that might be the way to go for it. All right, and the final game of the Big Ten slate is Rutgers versus Purdue. Uh, Purdue is an 11 and a half point favorite, and I think I'm going to take them to cover. Um, both of these teams might be dejected considering they both had very close losses. Uh, but I, I really think Purdue is just the better team, to be honest. I, I have faith that they'll come out. I thought their quarterback looked good. Was it Plummer that played or something? I don't know. I thought he looked good against Minnesota, though. And um, I, I think they'll win by like two touchdowns against Rutgers, which makes them two touchdowns better than Michigan as well. Well, here's the thing. Everyone picked Rutgers and uh, they really believe in Rutgers, but I'm with you on Purdue. Um, they, they beat, I mean, they won that game. So, you know, a terrible offensive pass interference call away from winning that game. I think they're pissed off this week and they just take it to Rutgers and, Work out all their angst on uh, Big Ten officiating uh, out on Rutgers on Saturday. Yeah, actually, that's how we should end the podcast. Have you ever seen a worst call, like at like to decide a game? Man, I I don't know if I have. Like, it's just 
it was one of those where like it gets called and I'm like, okay, I hate the NFL and their pass interference reviews, but I would love to have it there. Um, also, Brendan, I had just wanted to update you. It's under 41 and a half on that Northwestern MSU game. Just oh, so I know. would for sure hammer that under. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's our, that's our investment tip for everyone today. Okay. Well, yeah, no, that, but that, that Minnesota Purdue call though, like Terrible. that was like JT is short, but if it was not an incredibly close call, like it, it had the same impact as that play that had Michigan fans like melting and it, it was just like what I don't, I actually was even, don't know what he saw. It actually was even worse. Cause at least in the Michigan case, you can say, well, you know, you go to overtime, you still have a chance to win like that. That decided the game. No, it's the last play. You know, it's it's fourth down. It's if you don't, you know, it's not. I mean, they got another play after it because of a flag. But you know, that decided that game right there. Yeah, big ten officials, man. Terrible, and it had to happen on a Friday. You know, when it's the only game going, everyone's watching it, and I just like, I would be upset with that call in seven minutes remaining in the second quarter. So oh, yeah. to have that be the last call and if like that's what you're flagging at the end, of, I don't know, man. That's that truly that's so unbelievable. I, I also not... might have been pissed off because I had Purdue uh with real money, but you know. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I also you texted me before it started that you had Purdue with real money. So I was watching the end of it and I was just like, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I just feel terrible for Purdue and all their fans. I mean that is that is unbelievable and it's not even like it was for minnesota like if you're a minnesota fan like that's not even that exciting like this is a lost season who cares if you would have lost one more game and they're probably not going to remember beating purdue is some big thing just a complete shit show um all right well before we go i do want to plug uh our twitter account at podcast divided uh we're getting more active on there i live tweeted the emotional roller coaster that was the michigan rutgers game on it and uh, definitely, I mean, we have basketball today, basketball on Sunday, hockey and football this weekend. We'll, we'll each probably – let's hold ourselves to that. One of uh, We will each get on and live tweet for one of our games total. Oh, yeah. At least this weekend, at least one. Um, so we'll get on there. So go give that account a follow. Uh, follow our personal accounts too. Uh, you can find them in the bio of at po- Podcast Divided. Um, everybody – put in your picks we'll keep doing this we want to give away a home field shirt and if i win then i'm gonna have to i want to buy that butler shirt that came out today i don't know if you saw what i'm talking about but i saw the email i gotta go click through if i win i will buy a shirt that's not a michigan one (laughs) and it'll be just a random school i mean that's most of my home field i've got you know i think i counted up i'm up to like seven i got banner society uh, my favorite is my slippery rock t-shirt. Oh, I, I need one of those. Vegan. Yeah, that's. Uh, I got one of the blue, blue two lane anger waves. So yeah, I got you know uh, the first couple I did was uh, was Grand Valley as well. But yeah, man, I gotta check this. Oh, the first thing that comes up is this beautiful SMU pony. Yeah, <laughs> Homefield's just great. Yeah, they're great. Everybody go buy Homefield stuff. Oh, they're running a steal right now for thirty percent off, and it's just. Oh yeah. Tell, oh, this butler hoops. Tell your significant other that you want something from Homefield for Christmas and there is currently a 30% off sale. But also send in your picks to us and you might win a shirt. All right. Well, everybody, enjoy all the games this weekend. Jeremy, it's our first time with all three sports playing again. It's gonna be great. Everybody go watch your team and we can all meet here again next week, probably way more depressed.